welcome to a special edition of The Ron Show on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. Yesterday, former First Lady, closest advisor and wife to former President Jimmy Carter, global humanitarian, mental health advocate, Rosalind Carter passed away in her home in Plains, Georgia, alongside her husband and family, Sunday at the age of 96. The staff at the Carter Center, having already announced plans for her memorial with ceremonies beginning Monday, a week from today, through Wednesday, November 29th, in both Atlanta and in Sumter County and Plains, Georgia. A week from Monday, there will be a wreath laying at Georgia Southwestern State University and repose at Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum starting at 10.25 a.m. The family motorcade will arrive at Phoebe Sumter Medical Center in Americas. Ms. Carter's remains will be transferred to a hearse and accompanied by past and present members of her U.S. Secret Service detail. That motorcade will then depart the grounds of the medical center on a public route to nearby Georgia Southwestern State University in Americus, Georgia. The public is invited to pay respects along the motorcade route, which will be shared at a later time. That motorcade will arrive at the Rosalind Carter Health and Human Sciences Complex at Georgia Southwestern State University, her alma mater, where wreaths will be laid. The motorcade will then depart for the Carter Presidential Center here in Atlanta. There will be an arrival ceremony around 3.15, a repo service in the lobby of the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum at 3.30. And then from 6 until 10 p.m., the Carter family humbly invites members of the public to pay their respects as Ms. Carter lies in repose at the Library and Museum. They do have uh, parking and shuttle information at uh, St. Luke's Episcopal Church on Peachtree Street in Atlanta. The following day, there will be a departure ceremony on Tuesday the 28th, with the motorcade proceeding to Glen Memorial Church at Emory University, where there will be a tribute service that afternoon. On Wednesday, there will be a funeral procession at Maranatha Baptist Church in Plains, Georgia, where Mrs. Carter and former President Carter were active members, where there will be a service that morning for family and invited friends. Afterwards, the casket will be transferred to a hearse and depart for private internment at the Carter family residence. They still, however, are inviting the public to line the family motorcade route as it proceeds from the church down Bond Street in Plains, Georgia, and along Highway 280 in downtown Plains. I'll share with you the complete schedule here that I'm basically reading to you from the Carter Presidential Library website in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com, so you can follow along wherever you'd like to. I, for one, am particularly struck and moved, honestly, that her family made arrangements with the public in mind knowing that she passed the Sunday before Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving week would be a fractured week for many and an impossible for most opportunity to pay proper respects. For that, I am grateful. 
Later in today's show, we will speak with executive director and founding chair of the Georgia Win List, friend of the show, Melita Easters. To reflect on the legacy that the former first lady leaves behind, Melita, by the way, was a young reporter in 1976 covering Plains, Georgia on election night. She also co-chaired the 1984 YWCA Salute to Women, where Mrs. Carter was honored. Looking forward to having that conversation with Melita about the former first lady. In the meanwhile, let me share with you condolences that are pouring in from across the country. The White House released an official joint statement from the President Joe Biden and First Lady Dr. Jill Biden. It reads, First Lady Rosalind Carter walked her own path, inspiring a nation and the world along the way. Throughout her incredible life as First Lady of Georgia and the First Lady of the United States, Rosalind did so much to address many of society's greatest needs. She was a champion for equal rights and opportunities for women and girls, an advocate for mental health and wellness for every person, and a supporter of the often unseen and uncompensated caregivers of our children aging loved ones, and people with disabilities. Above all, the deep love shared between Jimmy and Rosalind Carter is the definition of partnership, and their humble leadership is the definition of patriotism. She lived her life by her faith. Time and time again, during the more than four decades of our friendship, through rigors of campaigns, through the darkness of deep and profound loss, we always felt the hope, warmth, and optimism of Rosalind Carter. She will always be in our thoughts. On behalf of a grateful nation, we send our love to President Carter, the entire Carter family, and the countless people across our nation and the world whose lives are better, fuller, and brighter because of the life and legacy of Rosalind Carter. May God bless our dear friend. May God bless a great American. Additional statements include that of former President George W. Bush, who said, There was no greater advocate of President Carter, and their partnership set a wonderful example of loyalty and fidelity. She leaves behind an important legacy in her work to destigmatize mental health. We join our fellow citizens in sending our condolences to President Carter and their family. Senator John Ossoff from Georgia said, The state of Georgia and the United States are better places because of Rosalind Carter. I join all Georgians and Americans in mourning her loss. May Rosalind Carter's memory be a blessing. Vice President Kamala Harris, as a humanitarian, a public servant, and a global leader, Mrs. Carter improved the lives of millions and inspired countless more to dedicate their lives to service. Her legacy will be a beacon for generations to come. Former First Lady Melania Trump, we will always remember her servant's heart and devotion to her husband, family, and country. May she rest in peace. Former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, On the world stage, First Lady Carter was a pioneer. Her historic, high-stakes diplomatic mission to Latin America in 1977 ushered in a new era of engagement in the region. Two years later, she became the first sitting First Lady to address the World Health Organization, where she argued that mental health was an aspect of physical health and that health is a human right. Former President and First Lady and Secretary of State Bill and Hillary Clinton released a joint statement 
Thanks to her mental health advocacy, more people live with better care and less stigma. Because of her early leadership on childhood immunization, millions of Americans have grown up healthier. And through her decades of work at the Carter Center and with Habitat for Humanity, she spread hope, health, and democracy across the globe. Rosalind will be forever remembered as the embodiment of a life lived with purpose. Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens, she never stopped advocating for mental health or the Equal Rights Amendment. The city of Atlanta joins all of Georgia and mourners around the world as we honor the memory of First Lady Rosalind Carter. Former First Lady Michelle Obama said, She reminded me to make the role of First Lady my own, just like she did. I'll always remain grateful for her support and her generosity. Today, Barack and I join the world in celebrating the remarkable legacy of a First Lady, philanthropist, and advocate who dedicated her life to lifting up others. Her life is a reminder that no matter who we are, our legacies are best measured not in awards or accolades, but in the lives we touched. Congresswoman and leader of the Georgia Democratic Party, Representative Nakema Williams said, Georgia Democrats join our entire state, nation, and the world in mourning the loss of former First Lady Rosalind Carter, an extraordinary humanitarian, fierce mental health advocate, and beloved daughter of Georgia. So I think I've said this once or twice on the show before in the year plus that we've been putting this together. I am constantly fascinated to learn more about public figures, even though through most of my life, Rosalind Carter was a public figure. There's still so much that I have learned in the last 18 hours that I didn't know before. And I'm going to spend the rest of the day today sharing what I've picked up and conversations that I've had that give me more insight into the life of Miss Rosalind and former president Jimmy Carter. We will share with you the Carter Library video biography of the former first lady in our next segment. And I am really looking forward to catching up with Melita Easters, executive director, founding member of the Georgia Win List, and friend of the show, frequent pundit on Fox 5's The Georgia Gang, airs uh, Sunday mornings here in Atlanta. She, in 1976, was a Young journalist, fresh out of college, covering the triumphant return of President-elect Jimmy Carter and his first lady-to-be as they arrived back in planes to a throng of supporters there to celebrate that momentous occasion. I look forward to her insights as well. The Carters were married 77 years, the longest run of any presidential couple. It was a couple of years ago at the Carter Library that they were celebrating their 75th when Miss Rosalind was giving a toast to her husband and their marriage. Well, I have to say something about my husband. <laughs> After all, today is um, a celebration for our marriage. And I did a lot of um, interviews recently, and every question was, how did you live with that man so long? <laughs> That was not really the question. That was one that my friend made up, but, it, but she was teasing me. But it has been um, 
a really wonderful um, 75 years. 75 years, right? And um, when I was growing up, uh, high school, college, I didn't think I would ever get married. I didn't, um, I didn't like boys. It was boys back then because it was that period. And, um, but I didn't know how to talk to them. I didn't want to go out with them. I used to tell my mother when the phone rang to tell them I wasn't at, whoever it was, tell them I wasn't at home, and I wasn't. I was already out the door and down the street. Um, and then along came Jimmy Carter, and my life's been an adventure ever since. Thank you. I love you. Thanks, Beautiful couple, wonderful story. Can't wait to share more of it with you when the Ron Show returns in minutes on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to a special edition of The Ron Show on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. We are honoring the life and legacy of the recently departed former First Lady of the United States, wife of former President Jimmy Carter, Mrs. Rosalind Carter, passing away Sunday before Thanksgiving at the age of 96. The Carter... Presidential Library has a biography that I want to share with you. It tells you so much more about the former First Lady than many of my generation or generations that have followed may remember or even know about this era, not only in Georgia and national politics, but about a First Lady who was an inspiration to women and little girls of that time. Let's take a listen. From the moment she stepped out of the limousine and walked hand in hand with her newly inaugurated husband, President Jimmy Carter, Rosalind Carter offered the world a new vision of the First Lady of the United States. We love and care for every single one of you. Good night. The first First Lady to carry a briefcase to her office in the East Wing each day, Rosalind Carter was a trusted advisor and working partner to the president. She served as the Carter administration's emissary to Latin America, helping improve U.S. ties with countries south of the border. I'm going to convey all of this information that I have to Jimmy. In fact, I look forward to consulting closely with him on a regular basis. <laughs> She also promoted services for seniors, lent her support to childhood immunization drives, lobbied for the Equal Rights Amendment, and raised tens of millions of dollars to ease the plight of Cambodian and Laotian refugees. But the role she considered her most important was the one the president appointed her to within the first month of his administration. Honorary Chair of the President's Commission on Mental Health. For too long, these people have not received the care they need, and that a caring society should provide. Mrs. Carter held hearings across the country, testified before Congress, and spearheaded passage of the Mental Health Systems Act of 1980. Mental health and caregiving were causes she developed a passion for when she was the First Lady of Georgia, and one she would champion for the rest of her life. The eldest of four children, Eleanor Rosalind Smith, was born on August 18, 1927, in Plains, Georgia. 
She graduated valedictorian of Plains High School and attended Georgia Southwestern College. Rosalind often spent time with her friend Ruth Carter and was smitten by a picture of Ruth's older brother, Jimmy. A cadet at the U.S. Naval Academy, Jimmy asked Rosalind to a movie in the summer of 1945, and that night he told his mother he'd met the girl he was going to marry someday. They were married the next year. The Carters had three sons, Jack, Chip, and Jeff, all born in different Navy ports. Daughter Amy was born 15 years after their youngest son, Jeff. By that time, the family had moved back to Plains. When Jimmy entered local politics, Rosalind showed a talent for campaigning. She helped her husband win a seat in the Georgia State Senate and go on to become governor. When Governor Carter announced his run for president, Rosalind campaigned full-time on a separate schedule and was widely considered his best campaign asset. After President Carter lost his bid for a second term, the Carters returned to Plains and continued to lead active lives dedicated to helping others. One week a year, they helped build houses for Habitat for Humanity, and in 1982 founded the Carter Center to advance human rights, improve health, and alleviate suffering throughout the world. I think the main thing the Carter Center does is bring hope to people. It doesn't matter where we go. The Carters traveled the globe, pursuing diplomatic missions in North Korea and Cuba, monitoring elections in newly established democracies, and in the poorest and most remote corners of the world, they met villagers and reviewed the center's health programs to prevent devastating diseases. We tried to help them, and people feel that the Carter Center is honest and that they really care about the people that they're working with, and so they trust us. Through the Carter Center, Mrs. Carter also continued her drive to improve mental health care and combat stigma against mental illnesses. It can be diagnosed, it can be treated, and almost everyone suffering from mental illness can be helped. And Ms. Carter. She established the Carter Center Mental Health Program, chaired the center's mental health task force, and created the Rosalind Carter Fellowships for Mental Health Journalism to foster greater media coverage of mental health issues. Media plays such an important role in influencing people, people's thoughts about mental illness and people that are living with mental illnesses. Outside the Carter Center, Mrs. Carter co-founded Every Child by Two, campaigning for early childhood immunization in all 50 states. And she was president of the Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregiving at Georgia Southwestern State University. To honor her life of public service and leadership, she became only the third First Lady to be inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. And she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, America's highest civilian award. Well, Jim and I have been very privileged. The American people have given us unlimited chances, unlimited opportunities. And we have wonderful friends who support our programs here at the Carter Center and make it possible for us to do things that we never would ever have been able to do. Rosalind Carter often talked about the many opportunities her public life presented. And she took advantage of those opportunities to help others. My dream for the future would be peace in the world and freedom from sickness. I don't think that will come about anytime soon, but at least I think the best thing we could do is work toward that goal. I mean, are those humble yet inspiring words to live by or what? I'm just struck by their magnanimous existence, their humility and grace. And I do two things. I play the what if game. What if President Carter had been reelected and served a second term? 
how different the world would be with their continued push for the rights of those often not advocated for, for American foreign policy and diplomacy, for the economy. And that's a political rabbit hole to go down. But at the very least, what if every former president and first lady, former senator, former congressperson, governor, state representative, council person, commissioner, mayor, live their lives after public service with continued public service the way the Carters did? What a country, what a world we would live in. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Melita Easters joins us from the Georgia Win List. She was a reporter on the ground in Plains, Georgia, when the Carters arrived after Jimmy had been elected president. Can't wait to learn more about the Carters from her when the Rancho returns. On the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to the Ron Show special edition, where we honor the legacy and pay tribute to former First Lady, Ms. Rosalind Carter, passing away Sunday before Thanksgiving at the age of 96. Surrounded by her loved ones and, of course, her dear husband, former President Jimmy Carter. Someone who can really speak to the sort of legacy that Mrs. Carter leaves behind is someone who has been covering her since the mid-1970s, and that would be our friend, Melita Easters, Executive Director and Founding Partner for the Georgia Win List. Melita, thanks for joining me. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be able to pay tribute to Rosalind Carter because she is such a fine example of public service for so many women and of different ages. Mm. When she um, was Georgia's first lady, um, she came into her own as an advocate for mental health issues. And then um, when she and the president took out on the campaign trail to win the presidency in 1976, they made all of the South and all of Georgia so very proud. I was a young reporter in 1976, state news editor of the Tifton Gazette, Mm -hmm. my first job out of college, and I was in Plains on election night um, in 1976, and there when the plane touched down bringing President-elect and Mrs. Carter back to his hometown, and the publisher of the Columbus Ledger Inquirer handed him a hot off the press front page proclaiming him the president and it was just such a joyful moment for Georgia and for so many of the citizens of Plains and surrounding counties who had been a part of the Peanut Brigade to campaign in a grassroots way for that presidential win. In Watching the biography shared by the Carter Center, I was struck so much by the kind of woman that Miss Rosalind was. She, almost literally in a fairy book sort of scenario, had no interest in other boys until a Jimmy Carter came around asking her on a date to go see a movie. Truth be told, Miss Lillian, Jimmy Carter's mother, mm-hmm. presided over the birth of Rosalind Carter. Because back that? then... And when Jimmy Carter was three days old, Miss Lillian took him with her to check on Rosalind Carter's mother and how she was doing. And so a three or so year old Jimmy Carter first laid <laughs> eyes on Rosalind, his future wife, wow. when she was 
in a baby crib only three days old. Incredible. And then Rosalind and his younger sister were dear, dear friends all the way through school. And in one of the interviews, she later admitted that she always had a crush on him as a teenager based on the U.S. Naval Academy photograph of him hanging in his sister's room. Incredible. Literally wanting to hear from no boys other than waiting to hear from the one that she had her eye on all along. Well, she and the sister tried to determine ways for the two of them to meet in their teenage years. And I believe the story goes that he spied her standing on the steps of the church after choir practice one evening and asked her for that first date. And then he came home from that first date and told Miss Lillian that he would marry Rosalind. If Hollywood wrote this, no one would believe it. That is true. But it's such a sweet, small town story. Mm -hmm. And um, they are such an example of a young couple and the military service and travel opening their eyes to the world beyond Plains, Georgia. Mm. And he was so, so brilliant. And they were a presidential couple at the right time. For example, one of the greatest accomplishments of the Carter presidency was the fact that with Rosalind Carter's urging, President Carter appointed more women and people of color to the federal judiciary than all of his predecessors combined. Mm. And that legacy reshaped the federal courts. Mm. for decades to come. In fact, you know, um, Jimmy Carter appointed Ruth Bader Ginsburg to the Federal Appeals Court, which then put her in a position for the later Supreme Court appointment. Mm. President Carter did not have a Supreme Court appointment, but the appointment of Ruth Bader Ginsburg to that appeals court position is one of his most notable. Mm. So we, we could sit here and talk about the, the lead up to the presidency, or we could sit here and talk about the post-presidential life of the Carters. I'm particularly struck by, uh, again, re- reacting to the bio video that the Carter Presidential Library has shared, that spoke to the fact that the First Lady showed up to work at the White House, literally and physically with a briefcase every day to her office. She didn't intend to pour tea and just be the, 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 the doting socialite. She came to work. She absolutely did because she was committed to using the platform of First Lady to um, promote the welfare of others and a, particularly to promote the mental health issues she had championed as first lady of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And she established the West wing office of the first lady. And um, she kind of broke the mold for what a first lady would do. You know, Eleanor Roosevelt had been the legs of Franklin D Roosevelt. And right. so she was, um, the first modern first lady, but Mrs. Carter very much followed that lead. And she um, 
established the office, carried a briefcase, attended cabinet meetings, made solo international trips. Mm. She just was um, a, a, a groundbreaking first lady. So I want to ask you a personal question because I, 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 I take that snapshot and I, I pair it with the, the era and the ascendancy of, say, the, the Mary Tyler Moores, the Lucia Balls uh, from, from pop culture. And tell me what it was like to be a young woman, a professional, as you mentioned, just out of college and diving into journalism, to have a first lady who was, again, more than the doting housewife who was actually showing up to do a job. Well, it was a great role model. And then in later years, I was privileged to meet Mrs. Carter in various capacities. You know, in the post-presidency, you mentioned um, some of the work they did. One example of that is for the YWCA of Greater Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Carter allowed herself to be the first woman achievement the YWCA honored. Now, that luncheon has been going on for almost 40 years, and it's raised millions for the YWCA of of Greater Atlanta, and it all started with her being gracious enough to allow herself to be honored. So there's so many ripples Mm -hmm. of her public service that have made so much good for so many people over the years. And there's several of our elected women um, in Georgia who talk about how inspiring Rosalind Carter was for them as young professionals. Mm. Representative Betsy Holland was an intern at the Carter Center. Mm. Um, Mary Margaret Oliver, representative from um, the Druid Hills area, met the Carters when she was in law school. So they have inspired, as a couple and Mrs. Carter individually, countless, countless hundreds and thousands of of women to follow in the very big footsteps they left for public service. We're on with Melita Easters, who is the executive director and founding member of the Georgia Win List, remembering the life and legacy of former First Lady Miss Rosalind Carter. Um. Miss Rosalind made it no secret that she was right there beside uh, former President Carter while serving in the governor's office and his first lady as a trusted advisor. Um, that was pretty groundbreaking for its time, wasn't it? I mean, it was sort of a, it, a it, hidden it a hidden truth to the Eleanor Roosevelt's of the world, but it was sort of groundbreaking for its era, wasn't it? It was absolutely true. And I think it started with the peanut warehouse when the two of them came back to Plains after um, President Carter's father died to take over the business, Rosalind Carter dove into the bookkeeping and she knew, um, they both said, as much about the business on paper as he did. Mm -hmm. And she became a trusted business advisor for him. And then when he decided much against her wishes at the time, to run for the state Senate. While he was off politicking, she was running the peanut warehouse. And so they had a trusted, equal relationship from those days, which carried over into the um, governor's mansion and to the presidency. And the other thing is that President Carter 
did not really like to calculate the political impact of things as he made decisions. Oh boy, how refreshing would that be today? <laughs> well, it would be. But Mrs. Carter, like many political wives, was very political. And many of the advisors say that Mrs. Carter had the better political mind in the family. And she, like many other political wives I have observed over the decades, had a great memory for anyone who had been critical of her president. Of course. And and then the other thing I think is that, that she had a genuine, empathetic outlook on life um, which was shaped by her childhood and the early death of her father. Mm. So she had a great sincerity about her that you can't fake. And I think that was a really, really wonderful um, thing about her. So after their presidency, it would have been easy for the pair to shrink back into their hometown of Plains, Georgia, and just live the quiet life. And instead, they chose advocacy. How much of that was her and her drive? I think it was. I think it was a search for meaning on both their parts, and that's reflected in some of the biographies that I read. Mm-hmm. I think she was more hurt by the loss of the presidency than he was. Mm. And I think they both struggled for a couple of years to to determine the highest and best use of of their legacy. Mm. And you know that the other path they could have chosen, but but deliberately in a very humble way chose not to do was they chose not to give expensive speeches, mm-hmm. not to serve on corporate boards just for the money. Um, and the use of the name, they chose not to monetize the post-presidency, but to use the power of the post-presidency for the human good. That's a pretty profound thought. I never really gave that much consideration before, but that's a a snapshot of uh, their humility and, uh, again, their giving of themselves to others without seeking reward for it. And, you know, this that he wrote and she wrote they both wrote a, a number of books and that was before the days of these huge publishing advances mm-hmm. um and and they worked the lines of those book signing events over the years mm-hmm. but but i'm thrilled to have a first edition copy signed to me of her memoir and and several of his books as well um, they they left a great legacy in service and in letters. Tell me why you believe she was so driven to be a positive impact for the mentally challenged. Why was that so important to her? She wrote in her memoir and in and gave interviews about the fact that it was something which she heard from ordinary citizens on the campaign trail. A great deal about. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, Milledgeville was still the 
the state home for the mentally challenged. I mean, there were other words used to describe them at that time. And it was one of the largest facilities of its sort in the world. And and it was a disgrace to Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so her efforts turned attitudes around about mental health, which continue to need to be improved. Mm -hmm as we see with the um, 2022 passage of the Mental Health Parity Act and the, the follow-up act that is pending in front of the General Assembly when they reconvene in 2024, I would hope that as a tribute to her, there can be bipartisan agreement on making that one of the first bills to be passed in the 2024 session. Yeah, that would be a fantastic legacy. You're right. A, a great way to honor her. Uh, n- knowing that we have uh, such a, an incarceration issue in this uh, part of the state and, well, throughout the country as well, and knowing that the mentally and physically disabled are such uh, a large percentage, if not the majority in some cases, of the imprisoned, I, I feel like this is an opportunity as well to, to take up her cause and to do something impactful if possible. Well, and, you know, that cause was something she personally championed. You know, um, the the woman who served as Amy Carter's nanny at the governor's mansion was a woman who had been in prison and had been wrongfully convicted of a crime. Mm. And that woman went with them to the White House. Wow. Incredible. I appreciate you giving us a few minutes to uh, share and learn more about the uh, life and legacy of former First Lady Miss Rosalind Carter. Melita Easters with the Georgia Windlass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we have a tribute to her that will be on the Georgia Windlass website mm-hmm. at www.gawinlist.com. And it will include some photographs from our 10th anniversary party when she was the keynote speaker. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. We'll include that in the show notes at ronshowatl.com for those who'd like to find it easily. All right. Thank you so much, Ms. Melita. I appreciate the time. Have a great week. All right. Bye-bye. Final segment of the Ron Show for Monday, and we are honoring the life and legacy of former First Lady Mrs. Rosalind Carter passing away in her home, surrounded by her loved ones, including her husband, also in hospice, Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I have a little treat for you. I was looking for some audio, some appearances that she did on talk shows back uh, while she was first lady. And I found this clip where Dinah Shore had a talk show back in the late 1970s and was supposed to interview the first lady, but couldn't make it to Washington. So standing in for her to interview Mrs. Rosalind Carter was none other than Betty Davis. Take a listen to this. I'm here with the first lady... Rosalind Carter. Originally, our First Lady settled for mainly ceremonial duties, but you certainly represent a new breed. Do you feel that in your position today, you have any political clout? Well, I hope that I have some influence, (laughs) and I think I have. For instance, I have projects and things that are really important to me and that I, things that I want to see done in the field of mental health with the elderly, with uh, getting people involved, and all kinds of people will help me. I can call anybody, I can pick up the telephone yes. and call, so I have that kind of influence. Now, as for political influence, I don't know, except that I am very close to Jimmy, and I, yes. I do discuss issues with him, and um, uh, given advice, he takes it sometimes, sometimes he doesn't. Right. But uh, it's an interesting and challenging uh, position. Since your husband took office, 
He has sent you as his representative to a number of countries. What do you say to critics who question this practice? Well, I never respond to them, really, because <laughs> I think that if I go to represent Jim, it shows that he is personally interested instead of it being just a diplomatic thing yes. between uh, leaders that is expected. And I think that that is always helpful. In fact, I think when any member of my family travels to a foreign country to represent Jim, it shows his own personal interest in that country and the problems. Yes. And I think that's important. I have had some um, very good trips and um, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the leaders of the countries uh, welcome a chance to see a member of the family, somebody who is close to Jimmy and somebody yes. who can take back their concerns in, to him. So I think yes. it's helpful. I gather with a schedule like yours, you would consider yourself a working wife. Well, I've always worked. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I, I worked at the peanut warehouse. I worked I when Jimmy ran for governor. Then when he was governor, I did the similar things that I'm doing now. I had the... Right be the hostess and do the All entertaining, the but right. also had my projects that I was interested in, yes. so uh, mm -hmm. I work. How do you manage an even balance between your public activities and your private duties as a wife and mother? Well, it's not very hard because Jim and I talk about public things in our private time. <laughs> yes. It is very important, I think, to have that family stability. To me, that's so important. We have some of our children here so that it's home. Amy's here. Right. So the boys live upstairs. It's very private on the second and third floors of the White House. And yet, um, I'm involved with Jimmy in the things that he's doing because right. he discusses with me the things that he's doing. And also, um, I think one thing that um, is helpful is that my things are important to me and he wants to know about them. So we have this right. kind of sharing that's... Uh, well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's been nearly two years since your husband assumed office. Do you think the presidency has changed him? I know when, when he was first elected, um, I could see a change because he just kind of immediately assumed responsibility, which is different. When you're a candidate, you're talking about things that need to be done, and then all of a sudden the responsibility is yours. So I could see him um, assume that responsibility. And um, I don't know whether there have been a lot of changes. He's, he's learned a lot, yes. and, um, as we all have. Yes. And, um, but I think he's still basically the same Jimmy Carter, and he knows what the problems are, and he knows how he wants to solve them, and he, I don't think anything will ever mold him into um, the way somebody else thinks he ought to do right. things. He's, he's going to always be his own person. Well, that is certainly the impression he gives mm -hmm. to all of us mm -hmm. in the country. Now, do you feel you have changed? Well, I feel I've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know whether I have or not. I'm doing the same things as I said before that I did when Jimmy was governor. Although, um, when I have something that's important to me, like the Mental Health uh, Commission, um, it, it touches more people. I worked on the Governor's Commission on Mental Health when Jimmy was Governor of Georgia, but on the President's Commission on Mental Health, of course, touches more people, and when I say something, more people hear it, so I have to be um, very sure um, that I'm saying things that I want the country to yes. hear and the things that are important, and uh, I think in that respect, maybe I'm a little more careful about uh, the things I undertake to do, but, um, but I hope I haven't changed much. When you and your husband have an evening alone, what do you do? How do you relax? 
Well, we have many evenings alone. In, in fact, most of the time, we're here at the White House, and Amy's here with us. Yes. And um, because even if we go out um, for a dinner or reception or something, we're back at night. And um, I think we really have more time together than we had. Well, I felt the same way when she was governor. We had a right. lot of time together. Then in the campaign, you're all separated. Then when he was right. president, we have time together. And um, the first few months that we were here, Jimmy worked. He'd go back to the office at night. Yes. And I have a desk in my bedroom upstairs, and I would sit down and work. But you can't do that all no. the time. So after about the first few months, we started um, just enjoying the evenings and relaxing and seeing a movie. A fascinating snapshot in time for a young lady from little old Plains, Georgia to be getting interviewed by Betty Davis at the White House, right? That's going to do it for The Ron Show. Thank you for listening. Back on Tuesday, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or the podcast. Show notes at ronshowatl.com.